Well, if you go ahead and be seated and turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 11. We have been in a series on entering the rest of God. Who has been enjoying church on Sundays? Oh, it's so good. And there's so many elements to the rest of God in scripture. Actually, there's several different words in the Greek for the word rest. But, you know, rest is not just going to take a nap or going to sleep at night. It's also not just laying in a hammock and envisioning people, servants with palm trees, fanning you out in the, you know, a private island. Now, I'm all for it. Go for it. I encourage you all, go do this. (laughs) But that's not just what rest is. When we're talking about spiritual rest, God's kind of rest, we want to learn about it from Jesus himself. And he said this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me. Where is rest found? Being with Jesus. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you go to verse 28, it talks about what labor is. It's to be burdened down. It's the picture of of an animal having been put a yoke on top of it and then going out to work in a field. And that labor can be exhausting. It can wear you out. It can be burdensome. It can be the kind of toil that really messes with the soul and the man on the inside. And when we talk about the soul, we're talking about the spirit. I'm sorry, we're talking about the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. And oftentimes, we as spiritual people, people of faith, people who love the word of God, we focus heavily on ministering to the spirit man, don't we? But you know, this soul of ours is talked about a lot in scripture. God wants to minister to your souls this morning, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's so good here because Jesus said, come to me when you are feeling like this, when you're exhausted, when you're burnt out, and I will give you rest Now, that rest that we've been talking about, Jeremy mentioned last week, one aspect of that rest, and oh, was last week so, so good. Y'all, I stayed at home last week to rest, and I said, I was sitting there watching, and I am just boo-hoo and crying like a baby. I mean, praise and worship was so good. Glory stories were so good. I love church here. Anybody else love church? Oh, so good. You know, it's one thing to come every Sunday to a place where you get entertained. It's another thing to come where your spirit is nourished and fed. And I know there's a lot of good churches out there like that, including this one. But I'm so thankful that I get a good meal every time I come to church. Last week, I'm just sitting on the couch boohooing like a baby. What is wrong with me? Hormones or something. I don't know. Anyway, all that to say... um, (laughs) all that to say he touched on one aspect of rest that is just so good and it's the times of refreshing that come in the presence of the Lord and then what it means for us to be the kind of people that refresh other people's souls what an awesome thing what an awesome privilege that the spirit of God on the inside of us can lead us to bring refreshing to other people. So powerful. But if you keep reading in this scripture, if you were to study this out in the Greek, this word rest, I will give you rest. It means a refreshing, a quiet, or a calm and patient expectation. 
a quietness, a calm, and a patient expectation. Now, just begin to think about these aspects of rest. Did you know we say, we talk about entering the rest of God. The children of Israel were not able to enter the rest because of what reason? Unbelief, which manifested itself in many ways. What were those things? Complaining, murmuring, nobody wants to talk about it. Complaining, murmuring, disobedience. Uh, It also manifested itself in hardness of heart. It manifested itself, and that unbelief manifested itself in disobedience. And they were not able to enter into the promised land that God had so desired for them because of one thing, because of unbelief. And I I think it's interesting that if you can enter the rest of God, you can also exit the rest of God. And we have to really ask ourselves these questions. How do I enter in? And then how do I exit? Not that you want to. (laughs) How do I come into the rest of God? What are the characteristics uh, of the soul that will take me in and keep me in the rest of God? And then what are the things of the soul and the mind that will take me out and keep me out? Keep me from going in to the rest of God. Is everybody with me this morning? You following? Just track with me a little bit because we're going to go somewhere, I promise. There is healing for your souls in this place this morning. So you want to go ahead and open your heart with me and just take it in and think about, oh, Lord, I receive it. I'm going to take it and just desire it, earnestly desire it this morning. You know, these, these three things to me, quietness, calmness, and patient expectation are amazing characteristics about the soul that can take us in and keep us in the rest of God. These are elements of faith that we don't always touch on. And they are a huge part of who God is in himself, in his character. He is not quick, am I right, to just throw something at you and tell you what to do and, and uh, make you do something, is he? No. The Bible, Psalm talks about how he is like a still, small voice. And if you want to hear him, he'll give it to you. If you want to see it, he'll show you. If you want to experience him, he will be all that you want him to be if you want it. But if you don't, he's a quiet God. It's awesome to think about. Um, he's also calm. <laughs> and he's chill. And he's cool. And we should endeavor to be a lot like him. Calm, chill, cool, not easily moved, not easily swayed, just consistent. He's calm. And you know what else he is? And if any of you are parents here, you know this. He is extremely patient with us. Is he so patient? I mean, can you look back over your life and think about at times how slow <laughs> you and I were to get something. And he was just so patient the whole time with us, holding our hand, walking with us until we got it. Isn't he awesome? Oh, he's patient. These are the characteristics of our God. Quiet. Now, you know, if you go back and you look in the Old Testament, you can see him. He can uh, be very demonstrous (laughs) and he can command uh, a place. He can show up in the pillar of fire. (laughs) You know, he is awesome. But there is a, a part of God that's gentle and there's a part of God that is sweet. 
There's a part of God that's calm and quiet, and he's also patient. Um, if you'll read with me, this is, you don't have to turn there, but I'll read it to you. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, it says this, that we should aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one right there. And to work with your own hands as we have commanded you that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. The a New Living Version says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands. Hey, isn't it interesting that quietness can also manifest itself in work? I hear a lot of people when they talk about rest, they often think that means doing nothing. <laughs> No, the kind of rest we're talking about is the kind of rest where you take off, you stop toiling, and you stop trying to labor to make something happen yourself. You stop trying to be the driving force behind your miracle. No, you enter into the rest of God. This is the peace of God. This is the stillness of God. This is the quietness of God. This is Oh, this is the presence of God. This is the rest of God. So to work, he even tells us, be quiet, but also do the work that I've called you to do. You know, for years and years, I have prayed this uh, in regards to rest. I have made this my prayer. Father, help me to live a life at rest. To do all you've called me to do. Nothing more. And nothing less. That is the place of rest. Not trying to create your own life. Not trying to make everything happen in yourself. But entering over into the place where you're only doing what God has called you to do. It is work that is energized by the Holy Spirit. It is work that is energized by his presence. It is the labor that even the Bible talks about diligence, that kind of diligence. Oh, it's working all right, but it's entering into that work with such peace and such rest, knowing that I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do with my life. This is quiet life. This is quiet work. It says this in the Amplified, make it your ambition to live quietly and peacefully. See, the rest of God, the rest, it's actually a location. Kind of like, have you ever heard someone say to you, are you in faith about that? What is that? Are you in the location of faith? Have you stepped over into a place of faith on that subject? Are you in faith or are you out of faith? Are you over in the rest or you have you exited the rest? See, if you can enter the rest, you can also exit the rest. Now, I think about this, where this rest comes to play, I think more than anything else. Again, like I said, we talk about rest being all these physical actions that we can do. Taking a nap, going for a walk, resting, you know, going to sleep at night. Um, all these physical things. But you know where rest begins? It begins in the heart and it begins in the mind. And I like to think about this. You know, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter six. He said, do not worry about your life or take no thought. A lot of people say, oh, well, should I just not think about anything ever? No, 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 that's not what he was saying. He was saying, take no anxious thought, no anxiety. You know, anxiety is not rest for the soul. Loudness, noisiness, always being busy with things all the time, running to and fro, always being scattered about, noise, noise, noise is not quietness. No, God is talking about us coming into the place where we get over into his rest. This is a kind of trust that leans on the promises of God. You know, the Hebrews, I'll read this to you in um, 
in Hebrews chapter, th- let's look at, um, let's see here. Let's look at chapter, um, chapter four, verse two. You know, this is all talking about the Hebrews that the children that did not enter in because of unbelief. And he's encouraging us that there is a promise for us. Let's look at verse one. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. He doesn't want you to come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them or did not work for them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What is one of the first things we can do to enter into the rest? As we hear God's word, as we hear his promises toward us, we should be quick to mix faith with that word. And these are some of the first ways that we begin to enter over into the rest of God. You know, some people may say, you know what, I'll, I'll, um, I'll get to my promised land and then I'll enter the rest. No, it doesn't happen like that. You enter the rest and then you move over into your promised land. That's how it works with God. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to begin to lean on him. That's what resting is, isn't it? Just like you who are demonstrating faith in here today, sitting in your chair. You sat down and you trusted that that chair was going to hold you up this morning. Aren't you thankful we're not all sitting on the floor? So you've sat down and you are trusting God to hold, to st- or trusting that chair to hold you up. And it's kind of like that with faith. I'm going to lean over on him. Once I have heard his word, once he has spoken to me, once I have seen it in scripture, I'm going to take him at his word. And at that point, I'm going to mix faith with that which I have heard. If he says that he's going to take me over, I'm going to mix faith with that and I'm going to go on over. If he says that I'm going to come out of this place of sickness or disease or this place of lack or any of these things that have tried to come against me and my family, if he says that, then I'm going to rest in him. I'm going to mix faith with him and I'm going to trust that he's going to take me over into that promised land. Mixing faith with the word is one of the first steps in getting over into the rest of God. It says in verse three, for we who have believed do enter in to that rest. Now I want to talk to you some more about this. You know, how do you know you are uh, entering into the rest? Well, you have come into a place. You can recognize it by very, very obvious things, outward things. What is your soul like how healthy is your soul is it stressed the stress-free soul is how you know you've entered into the rest of God how do you know you've come out well you are stressed all the time I mean when you wake up at 5 a.m in the morning you you are up on your feet going 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 and it starts out where your mind is anxious worried toil depression I mean all these things are signs that the that the soul needs to find rest. Jesus said that about taking no thought, but you know what else? I just, Philippians chapter four keeps coming to me. You know, it talks about how you can rejoice in the Lord. Actually says, this is the command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then it says this, be anxious for nothing. Isn't that just like what Jesus said? Take no thought. Be anxious for nothing, but with everything by prayer and supplications, with requests, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And then what happens for the soul? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, was going to come in and is going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to talk about the thought life. You know, the Bible, uh, the Bible is so clear on this. I'm telling you, rest will begin or end right up here. Right up here in your thought life, in your mind, in your soul. And it says this, brethren, whatever is true, 
Think on these things. Whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, basically think on beautiful things. Let your mind only go there. Whatever thing is a good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And these things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these, what? Do? Oh, is that doing something? Doing something, do being a doer of the word, doer of these things. And then what will be the result of you doing these things? The God of peace will be with you. There is nothing like living in the peace of God. That's being over in the rest of God. Nothing like entering into his peace. Did you know the Bible tells us that with peace and tranquility will lead to a long life? You want to know the secrets to longevity? You want to know how to live long and strong? Don't be stressed out. (laughs) Don't let your mind be anything but at rest. How important is our thought life? So he addresses these things here, things that will take you out of the rest, worry, being troubled on the inside. Didn't Jesus say that in John chapter 14? He says, let not your heart be troubled, troubled. What is that? That's frazzled. That's, that's noisy. That's cluttered, troubled. That's worried. That's fearful. Don't let your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. How do you know you've exited the rest? There's fear on every side. There's trouble in your mind. Things are at, you're not at ease. You're not at rest. There's no peace. There's no joy. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. He's helping us this morning. This is so, so refreshing. I thought about James chapter one, where it says, count it all joy, even when you fall into these Places that you don't want to be in. Count it all joy. Why? Let's just read that. Let's go to that and read it. I didn't have it in my notes, but obviously the Holy Spirit has it for us this morning. It says, count it all joy, James 1 verse 2, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, it produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So patience is another way you can know if you have entered the rest of God. Now, I was, um, does, it, does anybody ever go to bed at night and oftentimes you either wake up in the night and the Lord speaks to you? You know, he does that. Why? Because you're at rest and you're quiet in your mind and he can actually get through to you sometimes. <laughs> he will speak to me sometimes in my sleep or I'll notice sometimes when I first wake up in the morning and everything's quiet and the kids are still sleeping and Jeremy's still asleep and I wake up early, I, I can hear him speak to me clearly. And on July 4th, I woke up in the morning and I heard the Lord say something to me very clearly. I had been seeking him about some things in my personal life and in the life of this ministry and in this church. And I heard him say these words to me. (laughs) You have need of patience. Yes, Lord. Sarah, you have need of patience. Okay. I thought I was needing a lot of other things or I was in need of some other things, but he wanted to tell me that morning what I was actually in need of. You know, oftentimes the Holy Ghost, he will tell you things that will, it'll be one phrase or one line and it will not be the thing you were expecting, but it helps you so much. And it will, it'll, it'll course correct you. It'll set you on a path that'll take you out of a slump that you've been in and set your feet on a, a solid ground. That's what he'll do for you if you'll seek him and you'll ask him to help you. You know, he doesn't want you to stay down in a pit. 
He wants you to come up out of that place and he wants you to soar like on the wings of eagles. That's his goal is that we would soar in this life and we would rule and reign. So if you have a question, go ahead and ask him. I woke up that morning. You have need of patience. So I just got my phone out and I started to write. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. When Jeremy woke up, I read him the whole thing. He was probably really bored, but he he did say how he liked it. He did say, Sarah, this is like a book. You know, you need to write this down. You know how women have like thousands of words that they have to get out every day, right? Okay, and but aren't you thankful for our patient husbands? <laughs> listen and just it's so I'm so thankful so you have need of patience and I begin to think about all these elements of patience you know we as a generation we are like uh, we live life on a racetrack okay we're we have been trained as sprinters not as endurance runners and we live this, we are constantly, we're, we're, we're the fast food generation. I mean, when you get hungry, your tummy signals your brain, I need food and I need it now, right? So what everybody's been accustomed to doing is they go and they drive through McDonald's, uh, Arby's, Wendy's, all these fast food restaurants. I don't do that personally. Okay, I, I don't really, <laughs> I don't like it because I used to do that and I know I feel better not eating that. So, but as a generation, we go through this. We are quick to respond to our flesh and what we want and what we need and we need it now and we want it now and give it to me now. And that is the kind of, uh, that's the age we're living in. And we're always on the rush. We're always on the go. We're always hurrying along. But the Lord was telling me, Sarah, you need patience. See, you want to know what happens when you are hungry and you're needing to eat. When you go into the kitchen and you begin to stir up and saute whatever's cooking in that skillet. Let's talk about hamburgers here for a second. Jordan is really good at making hamburgers. My brother up here on the stage, man, he makes a good hamburger. It's better, way better than in and out okay? You're stirring up, you're sauteing that food in that skillet. While you're making that 10, 15 minutes, what's happening in the preparation time is just as important as, about, as what is about to happen when you sit down to scarf it down. Your body is actually preparing to ingest that food. Your body is, your digestive system is beginning to get, it's getting ready to take in those nutrients. And you know what? If you will sit there and prepare and stir and smell it, every part of that process is hugely important to getting over into us, to sitting down and eating. And if you don't have that preparation time, the body is actually not prepared to the, for the scarf down. It's not prepared. It needs that time, that preparation time. It needs the process. It needs that patient preparation to be able to get over into that place where you will enjoy the promise of that hamburger, right? You're looking forward to it. You're enjoying that process. But, you know, sometimes we don't want to be patient, and I have heard this Lord say this to me, that so many people want the promise, but are unwilling for the patient endurance. They're unwilling to wait to see, the, to, to see that promise fulfilled. You know, you think about in any area of your life, some of you guys, some of you girls maybe, you want muscles. You want to be fit. Some people want to work out. Some people want to lose weight. But then you, you start off on a trek and you start that way. But then in the meantime, you think, oh, it's not working. I don't know if it's working. You just haven't seen anything, you know, come out on the surface. <laughs> and so you think, oh, it's just not working. But you don't realize that there is something working. And under the surface, it is working. And you, this is the same way it is with the word of God. 
you begin to speak the word of God. You begin to plant it in the soil of your heart. Like Jeremy talked about the seeds being sown in the soil. And you begin to let it um, just go ahead and take root on the inside. And as that's being planted and as it's being sown in there, so often the temptation, the problem is, is not just with the faith, it's with the patience. And you know, the Bible tells us that it's by faith and patience that we inherit the promise. You need two things to take you over the top into the promised land. You need faith and you need patience to go with it. It doesn't matter. We are big faith people. And we are get excited and we start off in faith. But you know, you need another element. You need faith's companion. And faith's companion is patience. I need patience to take me on in to the promised land. And you know, this is, this is one of those things that, like I said, we start off. You know, I want to challenge you with something. Here's the thing. You sow these seeds of the word of God in your heart. You read the word. You plant the word. You begin to let it grow up in the soil of your heart. You begin to thank God for his promise. Isn't this how faith works? Father, I want to thank you. I want to praise you that that your word says, by his stripes, I am healed. I want to thank you that you came and you sent your word and you delivered me from all destruction. I want to praise you for that. I thank you that it's coming to pass in my life. I thank you that I am the healed of Lord. And you begin to do that. And you begin to do it day after day after day. What is consistency is a powerful part of patience. You do that day after day after day. And then three, four, five months down the road, you don't see anything out here on the surface. So you want to quit and you want to stop. And the first temptation, to the, the first words that are tempting to say in that season of patience are, it's not working. But see, if you realize what happened when you said those words, all of this time, there is something happening underneath the surface. The word of God has gone to work and it is growing underneath. It just hasn't sprouted above the surface yet. And it's working and it's working and it's working. And as soon as you say it's not working by the spirit, you literally reach down and you pull that, uh, you pull up those roots that have gone down so deep. And if you could look at what you were holding in the spirit, you were holding a beautiful plant that was about to spring up above the surface. And it's got, it's got roots, long roots. And you're just holding it there. And what if you had to just let it, let it grow? You know, Jerry is one of my scriptures this morning. Let's say my scripture, all of our scripture. Um, it's in Genesis And it says this, 822, while the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. So this is the way God does things. By seed, time, and harvest. Everybody gets so excited about the seed, planting the seed. Aren't you excited when you get to plant the seed? Oh, praise God, I'm excited. I'm going to plant the seed. I know it's going to come up in harvest. I am so excited. I can see the harvest. It is going to come it's going to come right on time. God is so awesome. I love the I love the planting of the seed and I love the harvest time. Oh, you really love the harvest time, right? But what about the time in the middle of things. Seed, and then some things just take time, and then harvest. So what do you need in the middle of things? In media race, that's what we said in English class. You need patience. Let patience have its perfect work. You know, I was, as I was listening to the Lord talk to me this morning, I thought about hope and how hope, Bible hope, is patient expectation. It's expecting God to come through for you. 
It's expecting something good out in front of you in your future. That it's, it's coming and it's on its way. I am confidently expecting that it's working. This is Bible hope. Man, and it pleases God. It's awesome. But I, as I was praying about this, I heard this in my heart. And it's another scripture. And it's in Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And then I thought about a dream deferred. Does anybody in here have a dream? Or has had a dream? A dream given from God of what you, an assignment maybe, of what you wanted um, to do with your life, a calling, a purpose. A dream from him about a family. Maybe it's uh, getting married someday and having kids. What about a dream to be healthy and strong when you've only felt bad for a long time? That is a dream. And a dream deferred or a dream delayed, taking longer than you thought it should, has the ability to make the heart sick or the heart weak. And you know, you can have dreams for your life. And if they don't come just when you want them to come or you think they should or it's taking too long, the heart has the opportunity to get discouraged, to get upset, to get frustrated, to to really leave the rest of God. But it says this, the fulfilled longing is a tree of life. When the desire comes, it is like life to you. Have you ever noticed that? When, man, you finally see what you've been believing for, it is like a spring of life that comes up on the inside of you. But the, the, the trick here from the enemy is to get you in that space of time between sowing and reaping. You know, Jeremy and I have said this for years. Victory belongs to those who give thanks in the space between where they are and where they want to be. Giving thanks always. Now, this is what Philippians said to us here. Paul said to us in Philippians about not being anxious. And then it, it's so good. See, <laughs> thank you, Lord. The answer for an anxious mind is a thankful heart. And if you want to quiet the soul and you want to enter the rest, you got to get over into a place of thanksgiving in that space of time. And you've got to begin to thank him for the promise. Thank him that he's bringing you into the promised land. Um, as I was reading about this and thinking about it, I thought about how patience is so important to faith. You know, faith and patience are like peanut butter and jelly, really. And then this is going to be a very cheesy example, okay? And some of you are like, I don't eat peanut butter. <laughs> okay, well, just bear with me, okay? Just think of something else. Meat and potatoes, I don't know. Um, do you notice how when I preach, I always talk about food a lot. Are you guys, <laughs> are you guys really hungry in here? Um, but it really is. Peanut butter is good by itself, really good. Anybody in agreement here? But man, you add a little bit of sweet jelly, I mean, grape jelly to that peanut butter, it's going to take that sandwich over the top. Am I right? Okay, that's how it is with faith and patience. Patience is going to take you over the top. It's going to help you see your dream fulfilled. I even got an amen over that peanut butter and jelly example. Wow, this is awesome. Um. Let me, let me read that to you. No, first of all, let me just tell you about this. I'm thinking about this. How many examples of this in the Bible are faith heroes? Man, who persevered and they inherited the promise or the promised land through faith and patience. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. That's the temptation in the season of patience is to give up and to quit. And I was thinking about <laughs> Abram. In Genesis chapter 12, let's just look at his life for a minute because I think, 
I saw some things this week when I was studying I have never seen before or realized, and I'm sure the Lord was just ministering to me, but Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you. And I'll make your name great and you shall be a blessing. And I will curse him who curses you. And I'll, and in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Oh, what a promise. Do you know, I speak this over my family. In my family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Glory to God. Talk about blessing humanity. I'm speaking this over my children now that they rise up someday and they bless humanity, that they serve the Lord and that they are so far reaching that you can have a family that will bless the other families of the earth. Glory to God. Somebody ought to get a little excited about that because I'm excited and that's what I'm believing for my children. This family is going to bless other families. Mm. So good. So God gives Abram this promise. You know, at this time in his life, he's 75 years old. Now, this is some of the beginning of what we're hearing about him. He's already 75. And he gives him this promise. And we begin to see not just Abraham's life, but his life with God. And his walk with God. Abraham obeyed God then. And he took off in the direction that God told him to go. And it was just around that time that God gives Abraham a promise. And he tells him that you are going to be the father of many nations. Abraham takes this promise, but in his soul, he can't quite understand how God is going to bring this to pass because his wife, Sarah, um, was a barren. And so as time goes on, we see Abram walking with God. And I think it's interesting that there was a lot of time that passed between his promise to have Isaac and the fulfillment of that promise. If you're to study it out, it's about 25 years between when God spoke the word and when Abraham and Sarah received Isaac in manifestation. 25 years had passed. And I love this. Um, Abraham learned a lot in the space between. He learned a lot. He learned a lot about God. He learned a lot about himself. I think it's interesting that Abram, there was a time in this 25 years space of time, this season of patience, that Abraham, his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. God had to reveal to him who he was. He had to give him an identity to see beyond who he had always been those previous 75 years before so that he could take him in to a better life, into a better land. So in this space between, Abraham learned about who he was. Even God changed his name. Also in this space between, Abraham had to walk, learn to walk by faith. He had to get up and leave his home And he had to go on to the place that God had called him out to. He left his family and went out. Also during this time, Abraham had to learn how to walk away from material possessions and go on with God. Do you remember when Lot and him and his people, they began to fight? 
and God gave them a choice. Abraham could have taken the best land, but what did he do? He gave it to Lot. He sowed it to Lot. These are life lessons that Abraham is learning in the process of patience, in the place of patience. Also, oh, how awesome it is. Man, he learned about growing closer to his wife, his relationship. Do you remember he lied about Sarah? He told people that Sarah was his sister. Yeah, a couple t- different times. You'd think he learned after the first time. He lied and he told them that, he was, that she was his sister. What do you think that did to their marriage? They had to learn to grow close together. You know, as I studied out this word patience, in the Old Testament, you'll often see it in the form of waiting. Somebody will say, maybe the psalmist, oh, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined and he heard my prayer. Or the Bible will tell us, wait on the Lord. What does this mean? It's not a waiting like I'm waiting in this space of time. It's a waiting that has energized expectation behind it. It's a patient expectation. I am in a season where I'm expecting God. I may not see the promise yet, but I've heard him speak to me. And I know that that promise is on the way. This is a patient expectation. And it is um, what we find in the Old Testament as the form of, they say, waiting, waiting upon the Lord. I'm going to expect that he's coming through for me. And as I was studying this, the Hebrew word for wait, to wait, and to patiently wait, is the word kavah. And it means to be entwined or to be twisted together as in a cord or a knot or a rope twisted together, the strands of a cord being twisted together or entwined together. And as I thought about it, I realized what happens in the season of patience, in that time, in that space between. We learn how to love his presence more, even more than the promise. We learn to love him. We learn to walk with him, to talk with him. Lessons learned in the season, in the preparation season are oftentimes even more important than just the promise you want to see. And so in this season, I realized for Abraham, do you remember what happened to him when God came and he told him to, to have, we are going to have a blood covenant now between me and you. And during, you know what a covenant is? It's the binding together of two things. It's the twisting up. When I begin to release faith in God and, and I begin to hope in God. And during this season of patient expectations, I am still expecting good things from God. I actually entwine myself with him. I become twisted up in his purposes, in his plans for my life. I begin to grow close to him. There is a covenant that is built and a bonding that takes place between me and him that will not happen if I just get it right away. I'm telling you, something happens in the season of patience. It is your soul and your heart and your mind and your spirit. Every part of you becomes entwined with his. And you begin to love his ways and not just his works. You know, the children of Israel, think about this. They knew They knew the works of God. They saw the miracles. Can you imagine every day you wake up and there is manna from heaven laying out for you. There's food provided for you. Then when you don't like that and you complain, he goes ahead and he brings you some quail. Okay, so you don't go complain about that. Then you don't, you know, you you need water. He provides water from the rock. 
I mean, there are signs and wonders. People are dying from being bitten by snakes. But he says, go ahead and look. I'm going to point you back to Jesus. And I'm going to show you that serpent on the pole. And there, if you will look up at him and you will take your, you will stop being distracted by the enemy. He will renew you, turn your focus back. And when you see Jesus, you'll be healed. I'm talking miracle. After miracle, after miracle, they saw his works. But then Hebrews tells us that they did not know his ways. They, you know, (laughs) the children of Israel, they were rebellious. But Moses, he was at rest. He'd go up to the presence of God, right? On that holy mountain. And he would walk with God. He would talk with God. He found, he knew the ways of God. But the Israelites only knew the works of God. And the the part that is so wonderful about the season of patience is we we grow closer to him. Have you ever noticed in your life if you had to walk through something hard and you have a friend that's willing to walk through that season? (laughs) Thank you. Um, You have a friend that's willing to walk through that season with you or even a, a mate, a husband, a spouse. You have someone that will walk through that with you. Do you recognize how much closer, if you, when you come out on the other side, how you have grown closer together? I can think about times in my life when Jeremy has been there for me. <laughs> um, and how much he stood with me, stood in faith with me. And even if it wasn't easy for him or it wasn't glamorous, you know, he's just that constant, steady faith that's there with you, that'll be patient with you. And you come out on the other side of that. Do you not love that person even more? That's a cord being bonded together. That's, co- that's what real covenant is. And I just think about how Abraham, he had this blood covenant with God. He had to in that season, he had to walk with God a little bit, didn't he? He had to learn some things from God. He had to learn about himself. He had to even face doubt like he had never faced it before. Years and years passed. Can you imagine you're already 99 and all these years have passed. You still haven't seen the promise fulfilled Even at one point, do you remember this? Sarah laughed at God. God said, you're going to have a baby. Here, you know what? Let's just read it. This is really funny. I think it's really good. Because I think it's awesome that even when we miss it or mess up in those seasons, you can get right back up on uh, your faith and begin to believe and trust God again and enter back into that rest when you've left it. And um, this is Genesis 18. And... Um, God has actually come and appeared to them. And um, it says this in verse nine, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And so he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Can you imagine God is saying this? God himself, she'll have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And Abraham and Sarah, they were really old at this point, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Basically, she's sarcastic. Really? You think I'm going to have a baby? Really? And then it goes on to say, The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? He says, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. What I think is so interesting about this is that in Hebrews chapter 11, we read that Sarah she received strength to conceive seed well past age because she judged the Lord faithful. At some point in that process of patience when she was tempted to exit the rest, which she did, 
laughing, mocking, sarcastic with God. Some point in there, we don't see it here in Genesis, but we see it over in Hebrews. She got back over into that place of patience. She got back over that place of expectation where she was waiting on the Lord and expecting God to come back through for her. And she did it. And she judged God faithful. And she obtained the promise of God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. In the place of patience, we learn how to love his presence and to seek his presence over just loving the promise. And that's what makes it so wonderful to walk with God. It doesn't, you have to ask yourself this. Is God more interested in how long I have to wait or in the condition in which I wait? Which is more important? Which is more valuable? You know, I think about the children of Israel. (laughs) Guys, do you know, I've been, has anybody in here been to Israel before? Think about how small of a country it is. It took them 40 years to enter into the promised land, a distance they could have traveled in 11 days. What was keeping them out? What was keeping them out? It says this in James 1-2. We read this earlier. I'm going to read it again. Let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That you may be perfect. Jesus said this in Luke 21-19. By your patience, possess your souls. Says this in the Amplified, by your patient endurance, empowered by the Holy Spirit, you will gain your souls. Or it says this, you will end up winning. Through what? Patient endurance. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says this, therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward for you have need of endurance or patience. You, is that what God told me? You have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Thank you, Lord. I want to read this to you. Um, You can actually turn to this one. This one's in Hebrews. How am I doing on time? Oh, we're almost finished. Hebrews, um, chapter six, it says this in verse 11, we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. You know, that morning when I woke up, the Lord said this to me, he said, Sarah, you've become discouraged in your heart because you're one of your dreams is taking a little longer than you think it should take. And I heard him say this very clear to me. Take the dream all the way to the end. Take the dream all the way to the end. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. If it's a calling, if it's a pursuit, if it's pat, you know, whatever it is, take the dream all the way to the end. That means you don't get weary in the middle You don't get weary doing good. You don't quit in the meantime. We are not of those who draw back. We are those who press on and go forward and keep walking. Faith is a walk, a forward motion. And it doesn't quit. And it doesn't lose heart. Doesn't give up. It says this. That you don't become sluggish or lazy in your faith, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. If you skip down to verse 15, it says, it's talking about Abraham believing God. It says, so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. If you go down even further, it talks about God. It says, verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor to our soul. 
Oh, talk about your soul being strengthened. Talk about it being, oh, being a safeguard. Talk about no stress. Talk about an anchor, something that fortifies, strengthens you, keeps you strong and steady. This hope we have, this patient expectation is an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast. And it enters the presence behind the veil. It enters in. To the rest of God. It enters in to his presence. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'll just end with this. Uh, as I was thinking about what it's like to be on this journey of life, <laughs> all of us in different stages, doing different things, called to do different things, but all the same God, all have the opportunity to knit ourselves together with him and walk with him, not quit. Go ahead and bond with him through it all. <laughs> Come out on the other side. Just, it's awesome. As I thought about this, I, I kept remembering David in um, Psalm 51. You know, David started out this amazing life and journey, didn't he? I mean, he's seeing miracle after miracle. God's helping him overcome the lion and the bear. He's had been, his life, his, every door has been open to him. He's stepped into the kingdom to rule and to reign. And he's had the favor of God on his life. And God's protected him. He's seen God move so many times for him. And he gets to this season of life. And then, as we all know, he gets a little comfortable. He gets out of the will of God. He's um, not off at war fighting where he should be serving God. And so he's at home and he's setting himself up for failure, just being out of the will of God. So he's at home. He sees Bathsheba across the way, enters into a relationship with her, commits adultery, then has her husband killed and murdered. So we have murder, adultery, then he lies about it all. We have lying, cheating, we have, uh, he's, he fell into sin. And, you know, in the middle of deception, many people don't even see they're in deception. They can't even see it. That's the trick about it. The enemy comes and he puts blinders over your eyes and he, and he tries to mess with you. That's why you always want to be alert and aware. But... He comes to his senses. And the prophet, um, Nathan, comes to see him in his really low time. And he says to the Lord, he cries out. Psalm 51, verse 10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And this is the phrase I thought was so amazing. He says, do not cast me away from your presence. Of all the promises he had seen fulfilled, of all the things he had seen God do for him and the, and the miracles that he had seen, the one thing that he wanted in the middle of all that, the one thing he wanted restored to him was he wanted his presence. He wanted to be right with God. He wanted to be back with God. He says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. And then in verse 12, restore, what word is in that? Rest, restoration, give me rest. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me, give me that rest that I once experienced. Help me enter back into that place with you where I'm at rest again. My soul is not tormented. I have not left you and I have not failed you. Help me return to the joy of my salvation. You know, at some point in life, when you started out and you're excited about life and then you come and you're out on that path blazing a trail and you encounter the enemy or the adversary, things you didn't plan, you didn't expect, and you enter into a place where you have got to hope in your God and expect him to come through for you. When you get over into that place, sometimes you need to cry out and you need to say to the Lord, 
Father, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Restore to me the joy that I once had walking with you. That was the joy that fueled all of this. All the promises, oh, they're wonderful. He'll get us there. His presence will lead us there. But what if we would learn in the season of patience to love his presence even more than we love the promise? Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.